Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Today we're going to talk about energy. Duh. Specifically, we're going to talk about what energy and power really mean. How we measure energy, the units we use to describe it, what the capacities of different energy sources are, and how we can store energy. So just kind of an overview. We're going to go into more detail. But power is a measure of the amount of work that can get done over time. We measure power in units of watts or kilowatts. That's the metric system. And typically, everybody knows we measure power in units of horsepower, which is the English system, even though the English don't even use that anymore. Now, in terms of energy, we measure the amount of energy something uses or generates in terms of watt hours or kilowatt hours. That's the metric system. Or in the old-fashioned English system, which is English don't use, is BTUs. Okay. So specifically, energy units, when we're talking talking about how we're billed for energy. Everybody knows about that because we're billed for energy on our electric bill and our gas bill. It's a measure of work over a distance. It's a measure of the amount of heat. It's not a watt, but a watt hour or more commonly a kilowatt hour. You'll hear electric bill, you see kilowatt hours there. And as I mentioned, the British units is the BTU, which stands for British Thermal Unit. Or on your gas bill, they talk about the therms of natural gas. Now, kilowatt hours is a bigger unit of energy. Kilowatt K, it's a thousand units of energy, a thousand watts during an hour. So for example, if you had 100 watt light bulbs running for an hour, that would be one kilowatt hour. I mean, or more realistically, you'd have 110 watt LED bulbs. And heck, you know, you might be getting charged for energy at 10 cents a kilowatt hour, or yeah, I looked at my bill last month, 52 and a half cents per kilowatt hour for electricity. You can see that on your electric bill and the different tiers and, and things like that. All right. Now, another measure of energy is therms. A therm is 100 cubic feet of natural gas and kind of works out to about 100,000 BTUs. Currently, I look on my PG&E bill, I'm getting billed about a dollar and a half per therm. Now, BTU is also a measure of energy. So that's the energy it takes to raise one pound of water one degree Fahrenheit. So I just kind of do some like kitchen math here. If you take a quart of water, which is about four cups of water, and you raise that quart of water from 60 degrees to 212 degrees, that requires about 300 BTUs. That sounds like a lot. But converting that into kilowatt hours, which is what we pay for energy, 3,400 BTUs per kilowatt hour. So it works out to be 0.1 kilowatt hours, or about two cents at 100% efficiency. So if you're going to boil four cups of water, it's, it's like a quart. If you're going to boil that at 100% efficiency, it costs you about two cents. You don't do, really do this at 100% efficiency. It's a lower efficiency, but you know, not that much. Right. Now we talk about calories. Calories is another measure of energy. We talk about that. You can see it on every package of food that you buy. A calorie is the energy it takes to raise one kilogram of water one degree Celsius. It's commonly used to express the amount of energy in food. So every food level. Also gym equipment. Heck, I look at the gym equipment. That's the way I look at it. So there's also something called a kilocalorie, which is really what we typically talk about. It's a thousand small calories. So one food calorie is really a kilocalorie. It's really a thousand small calories. So just putting that in perspective for people that work out or go to the gym or look at their Fitbit. When I'm on the Stairmaster at the gym for 20 minutes, it says I burn 200 calories. And that's really 200,000 little calories. And so one calorie an hour, just kind of looking at it in other terms, one calorie per hour, if you're burning one calorie per hour, it's one watt. 
So if I'm burning 200 calories in an hour, I'm generating about 200 watts of power. I think the human body can do a heck of a lot more than that. Now, let's talk about power. Power is the rate at which energy is generated to use. So, example, it's energy compared to power, kind of looking at that. When we hike up a local hill, it's about two and a half miles up and two and a half miles down. That fits my definition of a hike. If I look at my little Fitbit, whatever, it says I burned about 800 calories, right? So, kind of coming back to power, what is a watt? Where did it come from? Well, this guy named James Watt, he invented the steam engine. He wanted to come up with a way of measuring how much power that steam engine was generating. And it's in the metric system. One watt is equal to the amount of one newton meter per second. So it's the amount of work over amount of time. So if you work in your yard for eight hours, you can sustain a power level of about 75 watts. Now, let's compare that to a horsepower. A horsepower is 746 watts. So, you know, a horse is, well, just doing some quick math here, it's about 10 times more powerful than a human being. Well, 10 times heavier too. All right. Back to the gym equivalent. On that treadmill or elliptical trainer, you can generate about 75 watts of peak power. That's not going very fast. So for one hour, that's 75 watts hours. It's about 65 calories, really technically 65 kilocalories. But you got to remember the human body is only about 25% efficient. Most any machine, including humans, were lower than 100% efficiency. So 25% efficient means we have to multiply a factor of four. All right. So we talked about power. We talked about energy. Now, what about storing energy? Now, you need to store the energy for transportation. We have energy. We get it in one place, and we want to use it in another. It's a flashlight battery. It's got energy in it. The energy is chemical energy. It was generated by combining chemicals, or it was from a rechargeable battery that we charge up, and then we can play, then we can shine that light. Or look at the energy that's stored in a cord of wood. So let's just kind of take a look at the amount of energy that's in different items, different things, like a gallon of gas. Gasoline's got a lot of energy, and it's 33.4 kilowatt hours, or 31,000 calories. I like to compare that to my favorite ice cream. A quart of Cherry Garcia ice cream is about 0.9 kilowatt hours, so it's like 35 times less than a gallon of gas. It's about a thousand calories in that quart of Cherry Garcia ice cream. One hour on the treadmill to gym, 75 watt hours, burn about 200, 260 calories. D size alkaline battery. So you look at the battery that's in a typical thick battery flashlight, 21 watt hours, 0.021 kilowatt hours. Not a lot of energy in that. But you know, you look at that diesel battery, you compare it to a 10 kilowatt hour battery that we're installing for our customers in conjunction with solar. You can see, you know, battery's little, but when the one hangs on the wall is much bigger, it's got a lot more energy in it. Now, what about your average car battery? Your average car battery holds about 2.5 kilowatt hours. Heck, you know, compare that to a 10 kilowatt hour battery that we may install on a wall for a customer, LG Chem or Tesla has a 13 and a half kilowatt hour battery. That car battery is about a quarter or a fifth the size in terms of amount of energy in it than a standard kind of solar backup power battery. That 2.5 kilowatt hours, once again, it's like 100 D-cell batteries. Not, not too hard to imagine packing 100 D-cell batteries into that heavy rectangle that's in the front of your car that's that car battery. So let's look at some of the energy in other things. We talked about gas. We talked about Cherry Garcia ice cream. Energy in a cord of wood. A cord is a stack of split wood that's about 4 feet by 4 feet by 8 feet. It varies a lot in terms of its energy depending on how dry it is, but typically it's about 20 million BTUs, and that worked out to about 6,000 kilowatt hours. So if you had that huge cord of wood and you used it to burn things, you generate 6,000 kilowatt hours. That's a lot. I mean, there's some solar systems, a small solar system might generate that over a year. So there's a lot of energy in the wood, actually, but you know, there's, there's smoke, there's efficiency loss, you can't use it to turn your lights on, so it's not as good. The most concentrated form of energy, let's look at nuclear fuel. Nuclear fuel's got an incredible amount of energy in it. One kilogram of nuclear fuel 
fuel has 24 million kilowatt hours. That's 4,000 times more energy than a quart of wood. And that's not assuming that the nuclear fuel is, you know, completely turned into energy. The mass is not completely turned into energy. That's just what we can extract out of that kilogram of nuclear fuel. But you're really powerful. All right. Now, let's talk about something that many of us are driving or looking at getting, an electric vehicle. My old Chevy Volt has a 9.3-gallon gas tank, so I can go about 344 miles on that, and it gets about 37 miles per gallon. It also has a 16.5-kilowatt-hour battery. It's bigger than a Tesla battery, almost twice the size of the LG Chem battery. I can go 38 miles on that. So, yeah, it's really big. It's really heavy. And that's why, you know, I can go way farther, almost 10 times farther on my gas tank than on my battery. Obviously, there's many different environmental and efficiency issues there. That's because gas is a really concentrated energy source. Every gallon of gas, and a gallon of gas weighs less than water. It's about 6.2 pounds per gallon of gas. You can get a tremendous amount of range out of that. So I kind of do the math another way. I can go 5.9 miles per pound of gas in my gas tank in my Chevy Volt, and I can go 0.1 mile per pound of battery in my car. That's about a 60-time difference. So that's why you can see that electric vehicles, in order to kind of have a decent range, they have to have a lot of batteries. A lot of batteries mean they're really, really heavy. So there's kind of a dilemma there, and that's something that, you know, anybody that has an electric vehicle, they know that they, they're heavier, they perform differently. You can accelerate really fast in an electric vehicle because they have a lot of something called torque, but they're dragging around a ton, in some cases, actually a ton of batteries, and you know they still work pretty well. Okay, so now let's start talking about the energy and the power you can get from the sun, from solar. Now, lots of sunlight is hitting the earth during the day. The dilemma is that that sunlight is very diffuse. It's not concentrated. You know, we're not getting roasted or burned by the sun hitting us. It's not like you know the magnifying glass that you can use to concentrate that, that energy down and actually burn something. But the amount of solar energy hitting the earth, it works out kind of a nice round number. I don't know. They they rounded it up or down, whatever. It's pretty close. It's a thousand watts per square meter. So every square meter, you can get a thousand watts of power from the sun when the sunlight is directly over that spot. Uh, So if something is tilted, it's going to be at an angle. You're going to get less exposed area. You're going to get less power out of the sun. All right. I'm kind of looking at this. People always ask us this all the time, you know, why don't I power my car with the sun? Well, you can do that. The amount of usable space on top of a car, typical car, about three square meters. So at noon, if the sun was directly overhead on your car, and you had three square meters of flat space, you would get 3,000 watts of power hitting your car. Sounds great. Talked about this earlier. There's 746 watts in a horsepower. So you end up getting about four horsepower from the noon sun hitting your car. So you're not going to really go very far, or you're not going to go really fast, and if a cloud goes over, you're going to have a problem. Now, also keep in mind, that's if it's 100% efficiency. So solar panels are about you know 15 to 20% efficient. So out of that 3,000 watts, you're only going to get about 600 watts of usable electricity. The, the rest is reflected or turned into heat. That works out to be less than one horsepower. Put solar cells on the roof of your car, cover the whole car, you know, no hood, no sunroof, no nothing, it's no no trunk, everything solar cells, you can get about a horsepower out of that. 
So you can imagine, since you know a lot of cars have 200, 300, 500 horsepower, you're not going to go very fast. But you can collect that over time and store it up in a battery, and you know you can do some things with it. So why does solar work if it can't power our car? Well, the thing is, we can cover a lot of space, and the roof of a house can easily fit 20 or 30 solar panels. Each of the typical solar panels out there is about 18 square feet, about 1.6 square meters. But a 15% efficient panel, which is kind of on the low side these days, you can get about 5 kilowatt hours per hour. And if there's five hours of peak sun, and that's kind of how we measure things here in Silicon Valley, it's about 5.4. But let's just use five for more of an average. You can collect with those 20 low-efficiency solar panels on your roof, about 24 kilowatt hours a day. And, you know, just look, kind of look at what the average house in the U.S. uses. I just kind of remember this number because I, I remember round numbers. It's about 1,000 kilowatt hours per month and that works out to be about 33 kilowatt hours a day. So if you put 20 low efficiency panels on your roof, you'll get 24 kilowatt hours. If you put 20 high efficiency panels on your roof, you can pretty much power the average house for the year with 20, 25 high efficiency solar panels. That's the average house. Places with air conditioning use a lot more. All right. So the way the sun works, the way solar power works is we just have to cover a lot of area. I mean, Look at the United States. Look at a map. We got a lot of area, a lot of area that's really sunny, a lot of hot desert area that we can use some of it to generate all the electricity we need. Okay, so let's talk about why we need more energy, why electricity is so good. So looking like kind of throughout human history, everything we've been doing has becoming more and more energy intensive. You know, first there was no fire. We were just like savages. Um, not that we've really evolved very much beyond that, but this is that's an example. All right. So the first kind of big step as far as us using energy was fire and firewood. So we were able to chop wood up and we were able to make a fire. We had some light. We could do some kind of cool things with that. We actually figured out how to make coal, charcoal out of that and get some high temperatures and we could make tools. So that was kind of good. The next step was, well, instead of making charcoal out of firewood, we found a way to mine coal, which is really more of a pure hydrocarbon, out of the ground. And we used a lot of coal for heat. We're still using some, a lot of it. And that kind of fueled the industrial revolution. Trains had coal tenders behind them. We would shovel coal in. The, the, a lot of the ships, the early ships, all were powered by coal. And then we found oil and gas, and that was even a more concentrated, more efficient fuel. It was able to really develop the internal combustion engine. We used the oil and gas for heating. And by the 20th century, we started using that fuel, that oil and the gas, and still some coal, for electricity. So now we're kind of in this electric age in the late 20th century, certainly the 21st century. It's just taking off. Electricity is a really concentrated, easy-to-transmit form of energy. You know, people in a cabin in the woods, you still may have a fireplace and candles, but you look at a 20th century home, you've got lights, you've got radio, you have a fridge, you have a heating system. Everything can be running on electricity, and that's one of the reasons why states like California are kind of moving completely to electrify. And now we're also able to start you know, using electricity for transportation. So kind of taking a step back, and our way of life, the economy they're in right now, I'm looking around the studio here with the lights and the air conditioning and this radio station, our way of life is really determined and enabled by the energy we're using in more and more concentrated forms. And it's almost, I'm mean, looking around, everything we're doing here is generated from electricity. Transportation, looking how we evolved from walking to horses, to railroads powered by 
wood, then coal, now electricity. Cars, once again, from gasoline to electricity. Planes, yeah, we're still stuck with the hydrocarbons because of the density, but there's no doubt in my mind that eventually we're going to have electric planes. Space travel, that's not electricity yet, but there's fuels that are concentrated that we're using. Heating, once again, fires, Wood fires, then coal, then oil, then gas, and now the heating and the air conditioning. Obviously air conditioning, but heating now is from electricity. People are putting in heat pumps. I've got one in my house that heats my home. That heats my water more efficiently than gas, more cheaply than gas. Once again, entertainment. We wouldn't have theaters. We wouldn't have movies. We wouldn't have TVs. We wouldn't have videos on our cell phones without electricity. So it's really changed the way our economy is, our society is. It's just that the energy is just so, so critical to that. So let's just kind of recap and talk about things that are really important to remember. Maybe I should have talked about this at the beginning of the show, but it's good to recap about the important energy and power issues, particularly as they apply to rooftop solar and battery storage. Okay. Just as a reminder, power is the rate at which we expend energy. So if something has a lot of power, we can do a lot of work really fast. A car with a 500 horsepower engine can go quicker, faster than a car with a 100 horsepower engine. You know, I know because I used to have one with 86 horsepowers. Now, the measures of power are watts or kilowatts or horsepower. So let's translate that into a solar system. So we measure the size of your solar system. This is traditionally within the industry by the total number of watts that can be generated peak by the system. And so we know how many watts each solar panel has. So let's just, I'm just going to do some rough numbers here. Let's say we have a solar panel that can generate 300 watts. And let's say you have 30 of these solar panels, you'd have a 9,000 watt solar system. But now take a step back. That's the peak power that the solar system can generate under ideal conditions, and ideal conditions almost never ever happen. So you generate 9,000 watts on that system, 30 panels, each of 300 watts, on a cool day. Quick, you know, little aside, the hotter it gets, the more resistance there is in the solar panel, the less power it puts out. It's just like any electronic device. On a cool day, they generate their maximum amount of power. And also, the other really important thing is that's the amount of power that can be generated when the sun is perpendicular to all the panels. Early in the morning, the sun is at a very oblique angle, same as late in the day. Also, early and late, sometimes you might have shading. If it's shading, you're not going to generate nearly as much energy. So you got to remember that 9,000 watts is only ideal, and you're going to see it if you have 9,000 watts of solar panels on a south-facing roof. A few times during the year, cool, sunny day when the sun is almost directly overhead, you're going to generate that 9,000 watts. But all the other times, you're going to generate less. So just keep in mind, you're almost never going to get that peak output. So don't be worried. Don't get mad at your solar installer. We have lots of customers that say, I have a 6,000-watt system. I never saw 6,000 watts. It's like, hey, we're guaranteeing the energy output of the system. We'll talk about that in a sec. We're not guaranteeing the peak power because you're almost never going to see that peak power. So keep in mind, good solar contractors, the people that are experienced, that are really honest about the assumptions they're making on your system, they can determine pretty accurately how much energy is produced by your system. The amount of power, anybody can do it. You can do the math yourself. 30 times 300, 9,000 watts, that's the capacity, the maximum power. The energy really is what translates into dollar savings for you. Okay. Talking about energy, once again, a reminder, energy is the capacity to do work. So if something has a lot of energy, it can do a lot of work. 
Now, you can do a lot of work in a short time, or you can do a little bit of work over a really long time. So thinking about things that use a lot of energy in your house, what's using the most energy in your house? It's your HVAC, heating, ventilating, and air conditioning system. It's your heating and your cooling. Your lighting also used to use a lot of energy. Now with LEDs, it's not so much. If you have an electric stove, we have an electric cooktop now. That uses a lot of energy. But we're not cooking all the time. I mean, we may have that stove on for only, you know, half an hour a day, and it's only a couple of burners to cook whatever we're eating for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. We measure energy in kilowatt hours, or BTUs commonly, the metric system, kilowatt hours, and the energy business, the solar business, and energy storage, we're always talking about kilowatt hours. So kind of looking at what the energy, we talked about that 9,000-watt system, that's 9,000 watts of power. How much energy will that generate? Well, that system will generate, here in California, Northern California, about 34 kilowatt hours of energy per day. That's assuming that it's, you know, pretty much unshaded. And that's kind of nice because, hey, 9,000 watt system, 34 kilowatt hours, that's how much the average house in the U.S. uses. So if you have a system that's got 9,000 watts and you're the average U.S. homeowner, that's going to cover your energy needs. Now, in terms of battery terms, people wonder, well, how big a battery do I need? Well, if you wanted to store all of the energy that's generated by that 9,000 watt system, 34 kilowatt hours, you'd need three big 10 kilowatt hour batteries to store all this energy. But the good news is, since your house consumes energy during the day when the sun's shining, you don't need to store that energy. Just use it in your house or send it back to the utility. So for most people, vast majority of people, a 10 kilowatt hour battery is really good enough. It's going to give you plenty of energy for backup power of critical loads. And it's going to be much more affordable. I'm trying out two 10 kilowatt hour batteries in my house. I'm finding out, gee, that extra battery, although I can kind of use it, it's not as cost effective as that first battery. Now, the other thing to really remember, you have a 10 kilowatt hour battery. That's the maximum amount of energy you can get out of it when it's fully charged. Keep in mind, if you have a house with air conditioning, that air conditioner might draw 5,000 watts. And so that 5,000 watt air conditioner, just in two hours, it's going to be 10 kilowatt hours. In two hours, it's going to suck that battery dry. So you're going to use your fully charged battery in two hours. And, you know, something you're not going to have any juice left in your battery for your refrigerator or your freezer or your lights. So that's why good contractors will strongly recommend carefully designing your battery backup system to power only the critical loads. Critical loads like lights, your fridge, your TV, key appliances, cell phone charger, stuff like that. You don't want to be powering your whole house because if you are powering your whole house and there's a blackout, the big appliances are going to suck out all the power really quickly and you're not going to have energy for what you really need, like your fridge and your TV, your cell phone charger. All right. That's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.